Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee. This is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. The news is good. Tom and Keith with you. Welcome to the front row as we get set to turn the calendar to December and enjoy another 365 days of gloating about beating the orange and blue. The only person in Tallahassee happier than me is one Demarcus Walker. And I think uh, if I can paraphrase his quote, uh, he said, I can run my mouth the rest of my life or something to that effect. (laughs) I ain't got to take no crap. (laughs) 4-0 against Miami, 4-0 against Florida, never been done. Obviously, you know that by now because you too have been basking in the glow of what was a dominant performance for Florida State, 31-13. You think about the fact that if they don't get that scoop and score, we've got another clock reference. That's true. Now, you you normally don't say 31 Normally, you, you when it's twenty nine or or you go back to the prior right, number, right. but you could say thirty one to six, which would so be blame Nooney is what which you're would be five twenty nine, right? Yes. Okay. It's not quite the ring that twenty seven to two had. No. This is a complete side note, but I did hear some Gator types talking about the fact they're worried about scoring against Alabama, and I didn't realize Florida has like the third longest streak of scoring points. In games in the country, it's like, you know, 15 years worth, whatever the number is. And I thought, well, that's really too bad that we gave them the two last year. We could have taken care of that last year. Anyway, Anyway. uh, Keith and I reacted to this uh, on Sunday, which you may have heard that show. We'll uh, we'll discuss it a little bit further. But uh, I think the the bigger thing to react to right now is the college football playoff rankings last night. Not as it relates to teams one through four, although there's a lot there, but as it relates to teams uh, named Florida State and named Louisville, with FSU being one spot ahead of Louisville, on the surface, your thoughts? Uh, I like it, obviously. I'm biased that way. Uh, but more importantly, I think it's accurate because one of the things that should go into the ratings and rankings is how are you playing currently. And Florida State's, what, run four or five in a row, whatever it is. Louisville's lost a couple. So Florida State's trending up. Louisville's trending down. Now, the one thing I want to get clarification for, and I want our listeners to make sure they understand, I think I've got it right. We'll let you be the guru and educate me. But I'm reading articles uh, on uh, in the paper uh, from other places when they're talking about well the Orange Bowl wants and the and the and um, and, and the Cotton Bowl wants. Well, those bowls don't get to pick. The playoff committee picks who plays yeah, that's in correct. the playoff. It's different than the old days. Now, that doesn't mean that the bowl doesn't want somebody. Matter of fact, well, my point is, uh, other than voicing that and maybe lobbying an individual member of the playoff committee, it doesn't really matter. It's whatever the committee decides, correct? Correct. Okay. But you can believe that there is politics and lobbying going on behind the scenes and just separate the controversy because if you're a Louisville fan right now you're not too pleased that you're sitting one spot behind FSU in light of what happened in September uh but but that aside an FSU Michigan game in any bowl let alone a New Year's six is going to do a huge number and the Orange Bowl this year moved off of its normal window they moved that game to December 30th which is a Friday night I haven't I don't have the whole bowl schedule in front of me I think it's probably the only game that night as compared to get so for example if you go to the citrus bowl the next day you're at the same time as the tax slayer bowl you're on a day where there's uh well i guess that'd be two days later no it is the 31st anyway point being i think it's um it's going to do a really good number if that's the game that matches up separate the tv number which is really irrelevant from a fan standpoint it's going to be an entertaining ball game and a great opportunity for florida state if it comes to fruition you know if michigan is left out which uh we you didn't ask i'll volunteer i think they should be uh, it would be a great matchup. And unlike last year when Florida State felt the disappointment and therefore maybe whether they would admit it or not, were not as engaged in playing Houston uh, in a New Year's Six Bowl, you would obviously be engaged playing Michigan in a New Year's Six Bowl. Well, to me, if you're not playing for all the marbles, you want to play with something to gain. And Florida State in two out of its last four bowl games, Houston being one, in Northern Illinois, the last time to the Orange Bowl, were nothing to gain games for Florida State because everybody expected you to win. And in the case of Northern Illinois, Florida State 
apparently didn't win impressively enough. You know, the country wasn't enthused about it. Uh, so you wouldn't, to me, you wouldn't want to play Western Michigan this year. Well, I would. Not this year, but I would want to play a, a Northern Illinois, a Western Michigan. I think those are games that, that Florida State is somewhat giving back to the college community uh, by participating in. I don't want to do it this year. And there was talk last week and the week prior about maybe there'd be a Cotton Bowl opportunity with uh, with Western Michigan. Uh, I just like the fact that, remember, in the 70s and early 80s, Florida State was the Western Michigan and the Northern Illinois of the world. And it's a way kind of pay forward, pay back in that great yeah, scheme I get, of things. Yeah, I get that sentiment and where you're coming from on that. And but again, though, if you look at an opportunity against Michigan, you know, they're going to be five spots higher than you in the CFP ranking. So you've got a chance to win and move up. Oh, there's no question. 2016, it's all about hopefully getting into play someone like the Wolverines. No question. Yeah. So that would be a a great matchup. I don't see how now nobody knows what the committee is going to do. I, I find it very entertaining to watch people make definitive statements as if they they have no idea what the committee is going to do but the fact that the committee put fsu ahead of louisville right now by one spot a i thought the gap would be wider so leaving it at one spot to me is just kind of rubbing salt in the wound but i don't see how they can flip-flop it because neither team plays again so the only i was trying to think of what could influence this and if florida loses 212 to nothing to Alabama. Cumberland, Georgia Tech. Which is a possibility. (laughs) Then maybe they could go back and look at it and say, you know what, that FSU win over Florida wasn't very impressive, so we're not going to give them credit for that. But the flip side of that is if Alabama does anything, uh, if Florida does anything more competitive than 31 to 13 against Alabama, they could go the other way and say, well, we didn't give FSU Enough enough credit. And beyond that, I don't know what other factors could go into the committee sitting down on Sunday and deciding that they're going to put Louisville ahead of FSU. What Unless I, I'm missing something. What I love is all the pundits that are complaining about the human element. You know, we got 12 people in a room and they got the human element. Does nobody remember that until we had the BCS, which also had a human element, prior to that, there were two polls voted on by people. Right. And one of them was the coaches, and they were working during the week. They never saw anybody else. And years ago, we crowned national champions before the bowl games. Well, and there would be split. There'd be two. This one would give it to one, and this one would give it to the other. Are these people on Mars? Have they forgotten where we've come from? From those days, we have gotten better. I do think it's interesting that there is – some thought that maybe the BCS formula would be better right now. <laughs> Hear me out. There is a human. I think the here's where the frustration is, Keith. The frustration is there's no scoring system. There is no way to know that you're going to get, okay, everybody that wins a conference championship gets two points. I mean, like priority points for seminal boosters. You want a conference championship, two points. You beat a top 20 team at a conference, one point. There's no formula. So You, the you for- don't know that. Well, uh, the formula seems to change based on what they say every time they come out. I acknowledge that, but you don't know that. You don't know the metrics these guys look at. Well, that's part of the problem, too. And I like it that way. uh, See, I don't. Because you start opening that up, then all the naysayers and those that want to complain are just going to have more information, and we're going to have more of the airways filled with people hollering at each other. Well, that's what we do anyway, and then we get past it. You and I don't holler at each other No, I didn't didn't mean us necessarily. Sometimes Sometimes we we do. do. Sometimes we do. I'm just suggesting that there's a lack of transparency and the perception is that these 12 people get together, they hole up in a hotel room, maybe for 42 hours. We don't know if they're drinking cocktails for the first 41 hours of it. And then they throw darts at a board and say, you know what? FSU is one spot ahead of Louisville. And then they come out the next day or right after they have a press conference and say strength of schedule. There's just not enough transparency there. I will ask this because I've, I've been in favor of expanding the playoff. Me too. And including conference champions me to get. too so this is a this is a good test model this year because what you have in that scenario if you do that is should florida beat alabama not likely but if they did in that scenario florida's automatically in the playoff no problem penn state would automatically be in and so potentially no problem potentially you would have Alabama and Ohio State not in, although I don't think that's the case because you'd have to go to at least six or eight teams and you would still have a couple wild cards. And certainly in the case of this year, Alabama and Ohio State would make the cut as wild cards. And you keep bringing up that six. It'll never be six. It'll only be eight. But beside that, you are correct. I have no problem with anything you just said other than six. It's not that I'm staunchly in favor of six. Well, then quit saying it. I'm just suggesting. I bet we have seven. 
We'll give three of them a buy. <clears throat> I don't know that the math works on that, but well, you give them two. One one gets two buys. We do that in the in stop getting hung up on this. The the here's the thing that's going to happen though, and it, the the great thing about the scenario we have right now. Uh, you know, so if FSU goes over Louisville, Louisville's upset. But beyond that, if some cards break right and three Big Ten teams make it into the college football playoff, boom, we're going to expand the thing next year. I mean, we're just going to look at the, well, the, No, wait a minute, Mr. Block. You said we had to wait until the end of that 12-year cycle so everybody would cycle through. I suggested that see, we needed a bigger see, sample size. See. We need a bigger sample size than a couple of years. Age does bring wisdom. You know what you're, you you just keep talking so that I can't talk. You don't even let me complete a thought. It's and, like you're eating dinner at home, isn't it? Sort of, yeah. Now that you mention it, how do you know that you're not over for dinner? The natural break point would be the twelve years when the TV cycle ends. But I acknowledge that six years would be a logical place too, because then all the bowls would have had an equal amount of time to host the the playoffs. Another six. You're just infatuated with six. There you go. You don't even want to have a serious conversation about this. I'm just, you're just, I'm you're, just you're, giddy. You're, you're just a curmudgeon is all No, I'm just giddy. You want to go back to just everybody voting? We'll crown I'm the just, champion right now? I'm just giddy. Anytime you can beat Florida, the lar- especially if you can beat Miami four times in a row, I really don't care. Yeah. The larger point is that uh, people will get frustrated by it if there's three Big Ten teams in there, and it will lead to discussions about, okay, wait a minute. And how about Ohio State, who – you know, Urban, when he was at Florida, he made it a point to go on record that if you're not a conference champion, you shouldn't be under consideration. And then a few years ago, Ohio State gets into the playoff because they played an extra game and won the conference championship. And this year, they're going to get into the playoff because they didn't play an extra game and win the conference championship. And what if it, they lost to Penn State, who might win the conference championship, and Penn State doesn't get in, i.e. back to all the conversations and permutations and combinations of those conversations that you're talking about? It's It would be wild, no question. And the point about the transparency, Keith, is at the end of the day, it's still an eye test, and they take the teams they think are the four best, and then they come out publicly and defend it. And if it's def- better defended by saying, well, we needed conference champions, that's what they say. But in the case of this year, they'll go the other way and say, well, conference schedules are not equitable because some teams play better conference opponents than others and so we didn't think you needed to be a conference champion this year and one other point to that which speaks to the human factor as well is it depends on how articulate the chairman expresses that in other words if he or pardon me if he or she doesn't say it appropriately and well they'll pick at that just like the committee didn't do it if if that makes any sense but i still like it the moral to the story is as bobby petrino pointed out he should have scored more points against Florida State in September that, when he had a chance. That is what everything hinges on. We'll come back and get our Seminoles.com insider Tim Lunefeld on the horn and see if he can uh, definitively answer whether or not FSU is going to the Orange Bowl. Stay with us on the front row. Listening to the front row with Tom Block and Keith Jones only on 979 ESPN Radio. Here's Tom and Keith. This was one of the better tactical moves we made during this season, switching to bad company because Florida State has been on a roll. We should do a parody video. All right, let's... Uh, well, that left him speechless. Well, we'll have our people talk to Tim's people as per usual. Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Tim, how are you? I'm good, guys. How are you? Good. Any suggestions for how that uh, parody video would go? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think it probably would involve, like, us and some footballs and looking really athletic. We need a horse. <laughs> well, there's there's three <laughs> things that don't go together. <laughs> well, you said it was a parody. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, um, Florida State 31, Florida 13, and it wasn't that close, Tim. I mean, uh, we're a few days past it, and we're still uh, enjoying this immensely. Oh, how could you not? And you're right, the score wasn't that close. And uh, like you said, if not for a special teams fiasco, it would have been even worse. And, yeah, it, it, it really feels as good as you feel if you're a Florida State fan. I said to somebody after the game, like, I don't know how, how Florida fans are feeling right now, but it, it, it can't be good. I mean, it's one thing to lose – 
to your rival on the road. I don't think there's any shame in that, but I mean, that game wasn't competitive. Uh, and, and last year's wasn't either. And, and so, you know, year two under a new coaching staff and, and at least as of right now, it doesn't even look like in the same orbit as, as Florida State. And that's, that's got to be a cause for concern down there. But, but this is a Florida State centric show. So we can stay there. And, and yeah, I think if, uh, if you're FSU, uh, you know, winning rivalry games has a way of, of being an ointment for just about everything. And, and, you know, we've said it a hundred times. I mean, Jimbo Fisher has been fantastic at that. And, uh, you know, winning that game and going into now potentially an Orange Bowl berth that you know, a few weeks ago seemed just hard to even fathom. Uh, the season's taken a pretty dramatic upswing over the last month or so. Yeah, Keith and I were just talking about the Orange Bowl scenario with FSU being one spot ahead of Louisville. And we can't come up with any reasons that they could flip-flop that, save for Florida losing you know, a trillion to nothing to Alabama and FSU getting uh, you know, minus points for that win instead of getting credit for it, right? Is there, is there something I'm missing? Is there any other way? Uh, that's the best thing that I can come up with. And even then, I don't know that that like, – I don't think they're waiting to see, you know, how, how is Florida going to do against Alabama. I, I, you know, my only thought is if, if for some reason uh, somebody were to think they were to change their mind, you know, like wake up tomorrow morning and say, yeah, you know what, we, we should probably have Louisville ahead. We're not giving enough credit for that 63-20 to 20 win. Oh, okay. Then that, you could use that Florida game if they were to just get, the, you know, their doors blown off by Alabama. You could use that as a justification. Now, I'm not saying that would be a, a good reason or, or an accurate reason, but Look, I, I said to somebody on Twitter last night who asked me, you know, why would they ever flip flop? I mean, I don't know, but if, if you think that you can apply any type of, of rhyme or reason to, to what the committee is going to do, uh, you're, you're better at this than I am. So I, I, I don't think that they would get switched, but uh, it, I, I certainly wouldn't bet the farm on it. Well, and I think, and Tom made this point earlier, that the fact that they're one behind each other, one one vote away, Louisville mm-hmm. one behind Florida State. I, I think that tells you the committee's already made their mind up. That could be. Uh, that could be. Uh, it, I, like I said, I, I, I think that makes sense. Uh, but as we've, as we've seen in the past, not everything uh, about this system and, and the way of these, these games and, and playoff seedings and whatever else are selected, uh, it doesn't always make uh, the sense that we think it should make. So, uh, so you have to be optimistic. I'd much rather be in Florida State's position right now than Louisville's. Uh, but uh, I, I'm sort of in the, the camp of, you know, I'll believe it next Tuesday or I guess Sunday, whatever it is that uh, that we actually know for sure. Well, one thing I think we do know for sure is you'll get a good matchup regardless, uh, because if, F- if Clemson wins and FSU stays ahead, you're going to the Orange Bowl against Michigan. If you end up if Clemson loses and you drop down to the Citrus Bowl, uh, you know the projections there are LSU or I mean a, a, a Power Five opponent. So you're in a pretty and and the, you would you would be ahead of Louisville there because at that point it's out of the committee's hands and the Citrus Bowl gets to choose. And I'm quite sure they would choose FSU and not Louisville for that game. Um, Absolutely, yeah. It's it's really kind of you know one of the the, the better uh, bowl scenarios that I think Florida State's had. You know they didn't involve a national championship game or a playoff game in, in quite a while. And no no disrespect to to Houston or, or Northern Illinois. But I think if you're an FSU fan, the idea of playing Jim Harbaugh in Michigan uh, in, a, in the Orange Bowl, that sounds pretty awesome. Uh, well, and, the, and the only thing I see that's a negative, and it may be a very minor negative, is if anybody's going, well, you know, I don't want to go back to the Camping World Stadium for the third time in calendar year 2016. But I think that's a minor argument. Yeah. I agree. And I, and I think also, you know, keeping there's so many Florida State fans in that area, in you know Tampa, and Orlando, and then South Florida as well. Who you know maybe you don't get all the same ones who went to the Ole Miss game or the spring game, but maybe you get some other ones uh, right. who, who, who want to go. I, I think you know I don't know the Florida State will ever feel too bad about playing a game in Orlando or Tampa. Tim, the ACC All Conference squads were announced. At least the media vote, and I know the coaches. Uh, team is coming out today i guess as, as well as the conference player of the year so as we're talking that's that's not been announced but deandre wins the rookie of the year and then fsu gets four guys on the first team did anybody get uh slighted anybody get slighted slighted or overvalued from florida state in your opinion well uh i you know i always look at the the cornerback position for those things and i like i think Tavares mcfadden is, is absolutely uh deserving but you know Statistics, and particularly the interception statistic, aren't always a great measure for the value of a cornerback. Um, and I thought Marquez White had a pretty nice season. I'm not saying he should have necessarily been first team, but uh, but I do wonder just if because Tavares McFadden was was getting all the interceptions, it also means that he had a lot more balls thrown his way, which I think speaks to the, the, the quality of, of year and, and the quality of player that, that Marquez is. So 
I, again, I, I don't have any real qualms with it, but, uh, but I thought that maybe, you know, it's, it's easy to, to place too much emphasis on that. I think it's specific to that position, you know, uh, but if, if if you're not getting your your name called that much as a defensive back, it, it you know it could be a good thing. But if you're a media that's not intently watching Florida State, it would have been hard to justify voting for two FSU cornerbacks this oh, year. Oh, 100. Based, based on the defenses. Now I will say this, uh, and I don't know if it was just one voter. Somebody didn't vote Dalvin Cook first team All ACC, and you get to choose two running backs in the league. Yeah, no, uh, that it, one's it, pretty indefensible. That, I, I no, it, I don't get it. If you want to have him and, and James Conner or him and Elijah Hood or him, whoever, but the fact that there could be somebody out there who picked two ACC running backs, not national running backs, but two ACC running backs, and didn't include Dalvin Cook, it you know it kind of makes me think that we should do an audit of some of these ballots. Yeah. Well, there were only 45. It won't take long. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and, and two of them are sitting here talking to you. Yeah, well, three of them. This is this is three of the 45. Well, I'm true. I forgot about yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, Tim, basketball uh, – it it seems minor on the one hand, but major in the other, and that's FSU gets a win over Minnesota, big deal. But FSU won a game in the ACC Big Ten Challenge for the first time in a decade, basically. So that is a big deal. No, absolutely, and you know I think to, to come out six and one from their first uh, big swing of the season, they had most of the rest of this week off before heading to Washington on on Saturday or Sunday to get play, play Sunday. Uh, I think it's pretty good, and you know the the fact that the one loss. Uh, it, it was it was hard to swallow, given that you led by so much in the second half. But then, when you see what Temple went out and did to West Virginia, it almost makes you feel a little bit better uh, about things. So, uh, to me, the the thing that's really stood out uh, is is one. It's it's kind of the boring answer, and then that's their depth. I mean, they had twelve guys play the other night, and only uh, a handful played more than uh, more than even twenty minutes. Uh, and so they can really sort of wear teams out in, in second halves. And I thought that's what happened in Minnesota. It was a close game. And then, you know, with about 12 or 10 minutes to go in the second half, and they just couldn't keep up anymore. They were out of gas. I think Florida State's going to do that to a lot of teams, especially during the rest of its non-conference slate. Uh, but then also to go along with that depth, uh, they still have the, the top-end talent. You know, I think Dwayne Bacon's going to have a really, really nice series off to a, a great start. It was fantastic in that second half. And then, Jonathan Isaac, I think we've talked about him before uh, on the show. It's I, I don't know how you how you match up with him. I mean, he's a you know he's a six ten guard essentially. I don't, I don't know if I've seen anybody with as as at least not to play at Florida State lately um, who is as big as he is and as fast as he is um, and can play so many positions on the floor. And you know, in the NBA is one thing, but I think in college basketball, even with a lot of ACC teams, I don't know that many of Florida State's opponents are going to have an answer for that. I also think for the casual basketball fan or somebody who hasn't attended yet, they've heard a lot about Jonathan Isaac, but C.J. Walker and Trent Forrest are pretty good players that are part of that freshman class. I mean, they're they're playing 20, 25 minutes a game, and really they're the better defenders on this squad right now. They are, yeah. I think that they are that they they are really nice players, and I think both of them, uh, Forrest especially, seem to seem like a smart player. Um, has a good feel for the game. Uh, you remember the. The, the no look behind the back pass that he dished out the other night was just something that, I mean, it, it still counts for two points. So, you know, once the, once the basket's finished off, it's just the kind of play and the kind of headiness and the, the kind of uh, instincts, I guess you could say that, again, I, I don't know that we've seen a whole lot of uh, from Florida State over the last couple of years. And think, you know, the, the, this team and this program has been defined by, by, by grit and toughness and, and, you know, the manifest of that in, in defense. Uh, and that's been great. And I think if they can, can can capture that just a little bit, I think that their their, their top end talent and potential um, is man. It's I think it's as high as it's ever been um, under Leonard. One uh, one other comment on basketball, and then we'll put the test in effect. Yeah. Uh, but what's also been very encouraging through seven games is you are getting some production out of your five position. And and I don't mean this as negatively as it sounds, but but Ojo and Kamaji are not negatives; they're positives. Uh, to this team, they're not handicaps. They're they're there's people that are contributing, and that's been very refreshing. No, absolutely right. Well, I think Ojo has been about uh, as much as you could have hoped for coming into this season. He looks more aggressive. Uh, he, he you know is, is going up at the basket and finishing with with dunks. Uh, he's getting rebounds, and there's still a few little little things times where he'll stub his toe. But but overall, there are still some positives. A lot of positives to mix in with those drawbacks, and then. Kumaji, I think, has actually been one of the more pleasant surprises of the season uh, with the way that he just sort of can stand in the lane and block shots. 
We haven't seen anybody really come up with a consistent answer for that. Uh, he's put on some weight, looks a little bit more powerful, and, and, and looks really you know, surprisingly coordinated for a guy who uh, I think I'm on record as saying is the tallest human being I've ever seen uh, in my life. I rode an elevator with him one time uh, maybe a few months ago, and it's just it, it, he, he's unbelievable, uh, even, even by the standards of a basketball player. So you know, he, he can stand there, and he can finish at the rim, and he can block shots, and he really doesn't have to leave his feet most of the time. So uh, it's uh, it's it's pretty uh, he's pretty fun to watch and the fact that he's developed into uh, you know what, what I think is a pretty nice player especially considering he's only a sophomore uh, that's a that's a really nice development for for FSU. Next up for Kamaji and the Knowles, uh, George Washington uh, in D.C. on Sunday at four. All right, Tim, it is uh, test time. Before we administer this week's test, let's uh, let's review the results. Let's review as we uh, listen back to last week's rapid fire, Florida Gator style. Here we go. Number of touchdowns scored by Dalvin Cook, the over-unders at one and a half. Over. Picks by McFadden. The over-under is a half. Over. Wins in Brooklyn by the basketball team. The over-under is one and a half. Over. Points scored by FSU. I did not consult Vegas, so I don't even know where this would be, but uh, I'm setting the line at 20 and a half FSU points against Florida. Over. Number of safeties in the game over under a half under number of fsu safeties still standing after the game over unders two and a half yeah uh, I'll, I'll say over i'll bet they get one of those guys back all right times that the uh, the toc tent injury tent goes up and for, it will be there this week for De, <laughs> for, for deandre francois I'll, I'll, I'll put the over under at a half i'm gonna say under here's the big one the number of head football coaches at FSU on Monday, the over-under is a half. Oh, boy. Here it is, huh? Come to this. You know what? I'm saying over. Good job. Nine and six now for the year, Tim. I'll tell you what. There's a Slow start, so. Yeah, two weeks in a row. Slow start, much like the FSU offense. But are you feeling all right about being nine and six right now? Well, I feel great, especially if you go back to those first three that I missed. Think about how close I was to getting those right. You know, Dalvin's Cook scores a touchdown in the first quarter. You're feeling pretty good. Tavares had an interception basically go off of his hands. Uh, and the, ba- the basketball team was, you know, an 18-point lead in the second half from, from hitting on that. I'm not, you know, almost counting horseshoes and hand grenades, as they say. But I wasn't too far you know, off on any of those. Vegas would like to take your money because they operate on people who think like you just did. <laughs> you, you were so close on those three that you Keep lost. betting, buddy. Keep betting. All just right. Saying. Here we go. Here we go. Are you, do you uh, – I know you're from – you're from here in the Panhandle, Tim. Are you aware of where Yeehaw Junction, Florida is? Uh, nope, I'm not. Okay. Uh, well, Then it's, you're going to have to guess. Okay. Uh, would you consider it uh, like Jupiter, Palm Beach. It's, it's sort of down that way. It's a barren strip of land if you're on the turnpike. The basic question is, will Florida State's bowl game be north or south of Yeehaw Junction? Okay, so Orlando or Miami? Yes. But the, uh, the fact that you didn't know where Yeehaw Junction was pretty much neutered that question. But it's a great question. <laughs> this, is, this isn't really an over-under question, guys. No, it's not. No. It's one uh, or the other. It's one I, or the I, other. I, Are they going to be I'll, in the Orange Bowl or the Citrus Bowl? I'll take the under on the map. I say Orange Bowl. Or, that is the under on the map. Very, very well, very well played. All right. Number of Florida State football players who will turn pro early. We're setting the over-under at two and a half. I say under. You say under. That's right. So who's so Dalvin is going, and then you have Rod Johnson and Derek Noddy. Which one of them's going? Which one's staying? I think Noddy stays. Um, and honestly, I think I think Rod could stay too. But I think I think Noddy will will stay. Okay. Now this one is. It feels like I'm letting you steal money here. Dalvin needs 284 rushing yards to become the ACC's all-time leading rusher. So in the bowl game, Dalvin over or under 200 well, 283 and a half yards. Uh, I'm gonna have to go under on that. So I would, I would like to go over, but especially if they play Michigan, uh, I, I can't imagine them giving up 300 rushing yards. Uh, so I'm, I'm gonna unfortunately say under. Number of points Alabama would have to beat Florida by for FSU to drop behind Louisville this week in the new CFP rankings. Forty. Number of points you'd like to see Bama beat Florida by. Forty's <laughs> uh, fine. Well, right. now let's let's say let's say thirty-five. We don't want to be too much. Okay. Number of invitees to the Heisman Trophy ceremonies, which actually aren't this week, but next week. How many people are going to uh, join Lamar? I'm setting the over under at three and a half. I say under. I think it'll be three. Okay. The hoops. The men's basketball team plays thirteen non-conference games. They're already seven games in at six and one. 
So over or under 11 and a half total wins as they enter conference play? Over. All right, you got them running the table. And these are not I do. These are not over/unders. This is just uh pick them for entertainment purposes only this weekend. Virginia Tech Clemson, your winner is Clemson. Penn State Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Colorado Washington. Colorado. Alabama Florida. Alabama. Oklahoma Oklahoma State. Oklahoma. All right, there you go. We will uh tally the results. I don't feel too confident about a lot of those though. I got to be honest. Well, you know, it's it's confident. Uh, you're really shaky on the Alabama-Florida game, I can tell. <laughs> well, you know, I, I feel pretty good about that one. You know which one I think could be close is Virginia Tech and Clemson. Yeah, well, that would that would be interesting. We'll spend all week talking about FSU being ahead of Louisville, and then Clemson will go lay an egg. That would throw a monkey wrench into the plans, for sure. If that happens, then the term Clemsoning will officially be back in the uh, in the new dictionary. Oh, boy. Well, you'll be the one to tell Dabo. Well, somebody's got to. Tim, good stuff. Uh, we will grade you next week. Some of those uh, will have to be deferred responses because we won't have all the answers next week, but uh, we appreciate it as always. Let's prolong the expense. Thanks, guys. Our Seminoles.com uh, insider, Tim Linnefelt. You look like you want to say something. Are you okay? I, I just – you guys are great at the question and answer, and I just love the sound effects of next week. <laughs> I guess I have too many grandchildren with too many things that make noise. Uh, well, or, 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 or things are still going off in your head from your playing days, too, maybe at this point. We'll come back and uh, continue on the front row after this. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee. This is the Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front row, Tom and KJ, and we will continue some college football talk now. Before we do, I want to remind you about the uh, fine folks at Madison Social and Centrale Italian down on Madison Street. Township is opening up. They uh, they are all in all over the place. Uh, don't forget they've got, uh, what is it, a 20-foot uh, tree that they're going to light up on December 10th. I think they're shutting down the road for uh, their own winter fest, if you will. Keith, this is right up your alley. December 8th, they have a booze cookie crawl uh, at Centrale and Township. Hmm. I'd suggest Uber if you participate mm. in that. I understand. Uh, but anyway, we appreciate they've been supporters uh, since day one. So uh, thank you to Matt and the folks at uh, Madison Social Centrale Township. Get out there and uh, tell them we said hello. I was Cold weather doesn't bother them either. Have you ever noticed this? they got enough heaters out there to heat up. They do. They are prepared. Oh. It's not their first rodeo to use. Uh, is that your term or Gene Deckerhoff's term? Yeehaw. Junction. <laughs> gonna send, you know, I, I, we're gonna I, send Tim a map of Florida. Send him, well, in fairness, Tim grew up here. I grew up in South Florida, and when and, and if anybody that's from South Florida, you made that trek on the Turnpike. You literally pass Palm Beach, and between Palm Beach and Orlando, it's like 108 miles, and you pass one exit on Could, the Turnpike. And, you, all, Junction. and you talk about you had to get gas because you either ran out or before or after you had to be careful about your gas. But couldn't you also buy a bunch of fireworks down there? Didn't they sell fireworks well, those, all the time? I think by law, those can only be sold at interstate exits immediately, right? I mean, you pass I, the signage, I, and that's where you I see guess. all the fireworks. I just remember that part. Last time I made that trek, I thought maybe Yeehaw Junction had expanded and, and grown, but no, no it's, it's the same as it ever was. Uh, I don't know how we got there down that road. but uh, So let's, let's get back to the CFP. So if, if Washington wins and Clemson wins, is it going to be – Bama, Ohio State, Washington, and Clemson in the playoff? Or are we going to outthink the room here and it's going to be two Big Ten teams? And No, I think based on what I would do, it would be those four. Right. I would not, be more, I would not try to make it more complicated than that. Now, but, if Washington loses, they, they probably leave the discussion, and unfortunately you probably bring two more teams in and have to decide between those two. But if things go as should – uh, you know, even if Penn State wins, I don't think they get in. Um, I mean, if things go as they should. Now, the the, the one thing that's going to just absolutely drive everybody nuts is if Washington loses and somehow Alabama loses, then everybody's going to have an argument going back about nine deep 
and that will make things very interesting. Well, but Alabama could lose, and they're still going to be in. I'm not saying that. I mean, I'm I just saying we, it would just, open the door yeah. for others to, to have conversation. I, I don't think there's a score Alabama could lose by and not be in. I agree. Not that Florida is but, capable, but I mean, Florida. But the point Florida is, if them 100 if, to nothing, which is an impossibility. If Alabama based on loses, that if Alabama loses, then then Michigan starts having an argument. And this team starts having an argument. Oh, it gets this real team interesting. Starts having an argument, and it's it's going to be interesting. I agree with you. I don't believe that it will happen, and I hope for the sake of just college football. I don't college football. Southeastern Conference does not benefit at all if Alabama beats four, Florida forty-eight to nothing. That doesn't help anybody do anything other than make Alabama fans happy. I hope it's a competitive ball game. Well, there's been nothing competitive in the SEC this year for sure, the last couple of years. I mean, it's Alabama and everybody else. Assuming Alabama wins, everybody else in the league has at least four losses. That's where the SEC is, right? And it's not like they're playing uh, the best non-conference schedules in the world either. So, I mean, they've, they've got some wins. They're buying some sure, wins every sure year. Sure makes the opening game next year real interesting, don't it? It certainly does. Well, and if FSU does end up in the Orange Bowl, and Jimbo's already got this as one of the talking points, I mean, there's there's – Coming into this year, there were the three schools that had been to, to uh, New Year's Six Bowl games, I think, in four straight years was Ole Miss, Alabama, and FSU. And so that list is down to two uh, if FSU goes to the Orange Bowl. And, 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 of course, in the case of Alabama and FSU, you also would have had playoff appearance, national title. Alabama just has a few more national titles. And, you know, if you end up with that game being Florida State, who was victorious over Michigan in the Orange Bowl, and Alabama with a repeat of a national championship – that's about as high profile a game as you're going to get in any given decade kicking off the 2017 season. Yeah, that's that game's going to be hyped regardless of how the rest of this year plays out. Uh, it, 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 that'll be a fun game. Uh, do you think Clemson's going to beat Virginia Tech? Yes, I do. Uh, but I agree with Tim, uh, and I think it's the consensus of, of Lang and, and, and you as well. You correct me. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, but I think Virginia Tech will be very representative. Uh, I think. No, I think they will too. And Tim- I, I did not vote Fuente as the coach of the year. Um, I, I voted Dabo just because of what Clemson had accomplished. But when you take a step back and if you ignore the hype that Clemson had and, and what they've done, has there been – a coach that has done more to elevate their team than what Fuente has done at Virginia Tech? Probably not, which is why he was voted the ACC Coach of the Year. Yeah, and I got that one right. I voted for him for Coach of the Year, just just for the record there. No, I would agree. I think they're going to be competitive. I think uh, watching this Clemson season, I, I just remember back to 2014 here, and uh, every week was a struggle. I mean, and Florida State was coming from behind and winning, and it's like you finally got to the playoff. That part was a relief, and you know, and then the wheels just fell off against Oregon. And uh, Clemson has been on that high wire act. Now they've played better since they lost to Pitt, but uh, you know, for is I'm pulling for Clemson for the ACC sake. I want to see him get in. I want to see him win it. Because that that's what's going to elevate the ACC ultimately is somebody besides FSU. I mean, that's Correct. what's gotten to the ACC here is there's other teams that are in the conversation. Now, if you want to become a, a league that's better thought of, you got to have somebody else win it. But, man, if I'm Clemson and, and you don't make the playoff with Deshaun Watson, a guy who looked like a sure bet Heisman winner. And Williams and Gallman and that defensive And you're going to lose those. I mean, yeah, all those guys that were, that were underclassmen that you honored on senior day because you know they're not coming back. That's just a it's a big miss to have that kind of talent there if you don't get it done. What do you think about in terms of the ACC being elevated, positive or negative, that Pitt and Syracuse score a hundred million points in a game? What was it, seventy one sixty two, seventy one sixty two? That's not good for anybody, but you know, the fact that Pitt beat Penn State earlier this year, that <laughs> that sort of helps a little bit. But yeah, I, I'm not a fan of that uh well I I know why he's doing it, but when you have a bad defense, as Syracuse does, and you're trying to play tempo, it just puts your defense on the field more often, which leads to 76-61 or whatever it is. Well, right. let's not forget Clemson gave up 70-something to West Virginia in the Orange Bowl just four or five years ago and five because jo- of that tempo stuff. And five jobs later, Kevin Steele. Yeah, exactly. Pretty good job at Auburn this year. All right, we're going to completely shift gears, talk with Florida State's tennis coach, Dwayne Holtquist. They've got a big tennis tournament coming up. Love. We will explain when we continue on the front row. We don't need no thoughts 
listening to The Front Row with Tom Locke and Keith Jones. Only on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Here's Tom and Keith. We welcome you back and via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, we'll welcome our next guest, Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We say hello to Florida State's longtime tennis coach on the men's side, Dwayne Holtquist. Coach, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. You bet. I, I was thinking about this, Dwayne, and I don't want to call you an old timer, but I mean, you're you're up there in the among the most tenured or longest tenured coaches now, right? What do we have? Mike Martin, Sue Semrau, and that, and then you. Is that right? I think that's right. I think Mike's got us beat by quite a few years, but Sue came a couple years before him. All right, so there you go. So the third longest uh, tenured active coach at Florida State. Uh, well, tell us a little bit about uh, your program overall. I know you've got a big tournament uh, coming up that we'll get to, but uh, in general, you, you've turned Florida State into a perennial NCAA participant. Uh, I know you had a lot of seniors on your on your squad last year, but just kind of give us an overview of where your program's at right now. Well, I think we we had some things that were big successes last year. I think uh, the the biggest one was uh, you know we beat North Carolina when they were number one in the country, and that was the first time in school history that we had done that. And and then we had a nice run in the ACC. The ACC is now probably the top conference in the country, and had three of the top six seeds in the NCAA tournament, um, including Virginia, who won the national title, and uh, North Carolina and Wake Forest. So the ACC is just really strong and. Uh, we had a nine and three record in the conference, and um, you know we did have three seniors last year. Uh, Benjamin Locke, who is now doing quite well professionally, and will be playing in that uh, pro pro tournament, and and we had two other seniors, Marco Nunez and Michael Rinaldi. Coach, this may seem uh, silly. KJ here. You know, we heard uh, Coach Fisher talking about he needed the IPF when he came in, and uh, Florida State's taking over the Tucker Center. I bet a bunch of our listeners don't understand that your program has been so good. You've you've got an indoor tennis facility. Yeah, we sure do, and and that was kind of a, a project that took a little time to get done, but uh, thankfully uh, we we got that done. And some people would say, you know, why do you need an indoor tennis center in Florida? But the way that the conference is structured you know we play a friday sunday matches and so if uh if it, you get rain and it gets rained out you know we weren't able to finish those matches and uh the way conference is done is uh a, a win uh if you don't play it's essentially like losing um and uh so it, it was really important for us to get indoor courts and then also for us to have the ability to play to practice before we play up north whether it's virginia or virginia tech or uh louisville or notre dame you know, we play a lot of those matches indoors in the spring. You mentioned uh, the team from uh, with with some seniors and stuff. You've got some young kids coming in that you're very excited about as well. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, uh, we have uh, Lucas Polian who came in from from France. He's actually in grad school. Um, he graduated uh, in three years from a French university, and he's a, an outstanding player and uh, was one of the top pl- incoming players in college tennis and. Then we uh, have Guy Dacunda, who actually won the regional championships this fall, but were held on our court and and beat the top players from Georgia and uh, Florida and Miami to win that title and ended up playing in New York at the National Indoors. Well, tell us about what's going on over the next week or 10 days at, at your indoor tennis facility, because this is, A, it's new, and uh, B, it's pretty significant tennis. I know uh, for the tennis community, they're familiar with the Challenger tournament that takes place every spring out at Forest Meadows. But uh, give us an idea of what caliber tennis this is and who's competing. Well, you know, I think what's happened is the USTA started these collegiate circuits that um, are, are technically professional events, but um, that gives opportunities for college players on college campuses to play. Uh, Virginia is doing it. Wake Forest is doing it. Uh, Illinois, Tulsa, USC, uh, Rice, a number of schools. And um, it's a huge event. It's huge for us because of uh, both recruiting and then also opportunities for our players to pick up ATP points. So this tournament is between 200 and 800 in the world. Uh, So someone like Ben, who played for us, is now 500 in the world. So he would be playing on it. Um, Aziz Dugas, who's a sophomore on our team, is about 800 in the world, and and he he got into the tournament based on his uh, uh, ATP ranking off summer tournaments. And then we get the opportunity um, 
to have some of our guys get wild cards. So we'll have, uh, you know, four or five guys in the tournament uh, in singles and probably three or four doubles teams in. So it's a tremendous opportunity. The level is incredibly high. Most of the players that are in the tournament are uh, ex-top collegiate players. Uh, Ryan Shane, who won the NCAAs last year, will be playing. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's a good field and a great opportunity for our players to have an opportunity to play against them. Well, and you mentioned recruiting. Some of these participants are future college players, I would assume. So the advantage here for you is that you get them onto your facility and onto your campus uh, and, uh, you know, happen to say good things about FSU when they're in earshot, or how does that work? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I've always believed is the more events that you can have on your campus, the the better it helps you. A, a number of years ago, they they hosted the state championships on our courts, and, and we ended up uh, – the the guy that won the state title two years in a row on our courts ended up signing with us in the future. So uh, there will be some good, uh, good players that will be coming. Um, you know, I think a lot of those will actually be playing in the qualifying round. Uh, and uh, last year there was a boy who played here uh, named Shapovlov, and uh, he's, he's now a top 200 player in the world. And um, he was basically, you know, the top junior in the world, and he, he was playing here last year. How do folks uh, get tickets? How do they come see you? How do they participate if they're interested in uh, seeing what's going on? Well, that's that's a great uh, question. I, we actually don't sell tickets, so it's free of charge and uh, to come out there. The qualifying rounds would be December 3rd through the 5th, and then the uh, uh, we would have uh, the, uh, the 6th through the 11th would be the main draw. And uh, the matches would be going on all day. Um, our kids would be playing late in the day, uh, so uh, you know people can have an opportunity to come out and watch. And um, you know, after work on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, our kids will be playing during those times. Um, you can uh, go to uh, our website, Seminoles.com. You can kind of follow what's happening and who's playing. And um, you know, I think it's uh, a great thing that Florida State has uh, embraced this event. Uh, it's kind of a much like a bowl game, it's kind of an off event, but it's it's uh, very important for where we are programmatically. Well, I think it's very indicative and kind of reflective of uh, how you've built this program that, that uh, the powers that be are willing to make that investment. So hats off and congratulations to you and your staff. Well, thank you. Speaking of your staff, it occurs to me you lost your top assistant, did you not, to, to Oklahoma this offseason? I sure did. Um, Nick Kroll had been uh, with me for 13 years and uh, he, he had done a great job and, uh, uh, Oklahoma is one of the best jobs in the country. And I was really thrilled to see him, uh, get that opportunity. I, I think, uh, he is from that part of the country and it was kind of a great fit for him. Um, I hired, uh, Ryler DeHart who played at the university of, uh, Illinois. I, I always say I tried to recruit him out of high school. He's from Tampa and played on, uh, Illinois national championship team. Um, uh, when he played in, uh, I think it was 2004, they won the national title, but, uh, he was a former top 200 player in the world and he, um, really has, uh, come in and done a great job for us already. Well, good deal. Dwayne, best of luck on the courts in the spring, which is when the collegiate, uh, circuit, uh, gets going full swing, but, but also with this tournament upcoming, we appreciate you taking a few minutes to join us today. All right. Well, thank you. That is Dwayne Holtquist, the uh, longtime men's tennis coach at Florida State. He joined us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, ensuring your future together. If you're not aware, the indoor tennis facility, I mean, that Tallahassee's got a pretty significant tennis community, and uh, so those that play would be aware. But it's down but off where Pots- is it? Exactly. Yeah, it's off Potsdamer, which is down by Seminole Golf Course, right next to the Morecambe Aquatic Center, if you want to take in some of that tennis over the next week or so. All right, we'll come back with some final thoughts on today's edition of The Front Row right after this. <laughs> Listening to the front row with Tom Locke and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at the front row at 979ESPNRadio.com. Here's Tom and Keith.
Time to wrap up on the uh, front row. Just a, a few more moments to go here. We do need to uh, congratulate Sue Semrau's squad for winning a tournament uh, in St. Thomas, uh, which, you know, if you got to go somewhere for Thanksgiving, not a bad deal. Congratulations there as they reeled up. She's got a really good team this year, uh, really good. And, of course, uh, they've got uh, – I think they got the ACC Big Ten coming up, don't they? I believe that's correct. Yeah, that's tonight, as a matter of fact, now that I look at the schedule against Minnesota as well. So good luck to, to Coach Sue. Speaking of Thanksgiving, KJ, you and I uh, got to, to share a nice Thanksgiving dinner together in uh, – Who'd have thunk it? In, uh, in NYC with the men's basketball team. This week we're headed to D.C., and uh, so, you know, a lot of quality time we're getting to spend together outside of the studios here at 97.9. The uh, thing I will remember most about Thanksgiving 2016 is the pumpkin, what was it, pumpkin? I don't know. Uh, that we had, the, the meal we had, it had uh, pumpkin ravioli. Pumpkin, oh, oh! I, th- I was thinking of when we went to there. Yes, this, this is true. Pumpkin so ravioli at the at the Barclays. Yes, the media meal had pumpkin ravioli. Now uh, we that both was admitted. We both admitted that going through the line, if we had not had prior intel, we would have looked at the little card that said pumpkin ravioli and probably would have passed. <laughs> and we would have passed. But the uh, yeah, we did our. But our engineer said you really ought to try this. It's unique and and pretty good, and it was. It was. It was. So. Anyway, Not to be confused with that chocolate Sunday I had that night at the chocolate factory or wherever we went. <laughs> in full disclosure, yes, my kids uh, and wife were were uh, on the on the trip to New York, so we went to a kid friendly place. Did not have traditional Thanksgiving fare. Not that you guys care, but it was a chocolate factory, which is not the norm for Thanksgiving. And my kids were very happy with that. As was your tag along. Yeah, Keith was like the uh, the uncle we normally talk about when he's not there for the holidays. Only he was there this time, so when we had to say it. Right and they still the talked about it right in my face. Keith, I will see you again this weekend with uh, basketball. We'll be in uh, D.C. Leonard's team will uh, try to get another win. And then, and then uh, we'll be flying home and hoping that the uh, the cards fall the right way in terms of the CFP rankings. When they, Well, they might come out earlier Sunday. Anyway, they come we'll out We'll be Sunday. tuned in one way or the other. Exactly. All right. Folks, have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Hey.